The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Actually, they ha- they pretty much have a pizza for everything now. They have oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the pizza place that I like around here has a Nutella pizza that's all filled with strawberry. So maybe I was wrong. Oh. Maybe they do have a strawberry crust. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. But hmm. literally the, the trend of putting everything on pizzas is now. You can do it. You can do it with. I I I made a breakfast pizza before, oh. where you put ketchup on the bottom, oh. and by the way, that was the funniest of the delay. <laughs> the oh, and then <laughs> um, I wish I wish this was a YouTube video. It'd be rec- like fascinating to to pay attention to the conversation that way. Almost as difficult as uh, watching. The, uh, the trivia game from last <laughs> month. Yeah, I put I put ketchup down, and then I put scrambled eggs on with a little bit of turkey bacon on top. Um, what else did I put on it? I obviously cheese. I can't. There was like one other thing that I had on there, and I can't remember now. But it was awesome. Got the recipe from a friend, and he, yeah, it, it's it's a heart attack, but it's still <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Because I would think that you'd want to uh, make the crust. You'd want to uh, sort of lattice some bacon to make the uh, the crust. Is how I would try to approach that if I were on some food hmm. competition show. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I would never be on a food competition show. So maybe maybe world's worst cook. <laughs> I, I might I might not be able to qualify for that because I can't like I can make um my wife's away this weekend, so I was able to make uh the HelloFresh meal. We get HelloFresh uh five meals a coupon week. Code so live on four legs. I can make oh. those meals because <laughs> what what? As a, as a coupon uh, code live on four legs. <laughs> <laughs> no, we only have coupon codes to record stores. That's it. That's all we can do. Um I wish, trust me. Actually, no, I fuck that. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, imagine what we get away with now. And if we had ad cells, how much less we'd be able to get away with ad cells and commercials and, and garbage. Plus, I don't want to start off a podcast by saying, hey, John, did you do you ever feel this way about your feet? <laughs> like, no. That's not conversations that we have normally. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not into that. Um, yeah, but uh I mean, like I could follow the instructions on that and not be a total idiot. Like I did something stupid yesterday. I I didn't put sour cream down on the chicken before putting the panko crumbs on. I just put olive oil on it, but that was mm-hmm. easy. I just scooped the panko crumbs and you know, re-put the sour cream on and put it back in. And I texted a picture to my wife. She said, oh, that looks way better than anything I've cooked from that meal. So I, I'm i not horrible at it. I can follow directions, but it doesn't mean that I can, you know, go on Chopped and uh, and make an escargot uh, lettuce wrap with Twizzlers. <laughs> Because that's the shit they do on that show. <laughs> it has to have some kind of reduction and uh, what else? Oh, yes, acidity <laughs> in it. That's the uh, the buzzwords I always get from it. 
You want want to kick this off? Want to kick this daddy off? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow! Welcome to season five, episode one of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. We are kicking off the album Yield. Finally, we are here, and with me is Randy Sobel to talk the song Brain of Jay. Hello, Randy. I'm still contract... Uh, yeah, I'm still contract... I cannot say that word. <laughs> Contractually, yes, contractually obligated yes. to be on this show. Uh, I have not signed past 2023, so Gigaton and whoever said is in flex, but... And I also haven't, uh, haven't decided on my Lost Dogs yet. However, I, I am here straight through lightning bolt with the opening track i it is in it is in blood it is written in ink and uh yeah whether you like it or not deal with it hello <laughs> yeah so i i, I believe <laughs> that's a way to introduce yourself <laughs> i believe it's uh it's going to be officially two more years until i get to lost dogs i think it'll be uh 2022 wow. well well that's not two years away now that it's the Middle end of 2020. Oh my gosh, the inevitable march of time. Yeah, right. Which keeps getting slower and faster all at once. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right. Edited. So we've got. Yeah, we've got uh the yeah 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 whatever. I don't know. Anyway, I'll say that again. Anyway, god damn it. <laughs> all my edits so far now. Okay. Um. Yes, we're starting off yield, and of course, uh, if if you have your your notes, your liner notes here, you're going to see uh, uh, Jack in a little canoe out there, and you're going to find the yield symbol uh, on his jacket by his right shoulder there. Now, I spent about a good five minutes looking at that, and and from the pers- my first perspective, I'm just like, oh, that's Ed- that's Eddie in a canoe, and then I look at it again, I'm like, oh. I don't think so. I, you can't just assume it's Ed, be just because it's it's a photo in a, in a Pearl Jam album, and he's got long hair mm-hmm. and all that. And then I look a little bit. I look at the nose. I'm like, ooh, that's that's more of a Jack. And I'm glad that you said that right away because I, I was I was questioning myself, and I'm glad that I caught myself on that. Yes, that that is that is Jack Irons. Yeah. So the song starts off the album Yield. And uh, we, we've got, uh, I think it's Stone saying one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, real quick in the beginning. Sounds like Stone. It could be Mike, but I, I think it, I think Stone, whenever there's a chance that, I feel like Stone always leads it off. Like whenever, you know, it's kind of like the the AD or whoever in film has to say like, running around more action, like I, I don't know what they do, but um, sound speeds. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, that that's usually Stone's role in the recording. So I I, I would guess it is probably Stone. Yeah, yeah. This song this song was uh, 
around before uh before all the other yield songs actually debuted it uh what was that utah in 95 at a makeup show that they did yep that was on that extended yeah that extended tour that they made up for when uh ed had food poisoning in san francisco and uh yeah that was uh that that little mini tour there debuted both brain j and uh red mosquito Mm -hmm. as well and i think dead man and i think their cover of leaving here i think all of that stuff was introduced maybe no habit was earlier habit was red rocks and lucan was way earlier than that um but i think those four songs were introduced to to the live audience around then and brandon J was kind of completely different at the time like it still sounded the same but like the breakdown had a different tempo to it and it was kind of like ed just kind of like screaming a little bit The song wasn't fully developed really until uh, they went into the studio in, in 97 and uh, and kind of turned turned into what it turned into. Yeah, I remember seeing it like on uh, on bootlegs way back in the day when you'd see it in, you know, Rolling Stone and everything like that, like I've mentioned before and stuff. Yeah. And they would say, oh, you know, it's called, uh, it's either called, I think they would say JFK or Brain of JFK or they'd say Brain of J-A-Y. I remember seeing it listed on those uh, on those things or people like saying it's like, oh, there's this new song that nobody knows what it's called yet because it isn't on any albums and stuff. So this was like this is right when trading on the Internet really first started. Ninety six, ninety seven ish. Was this a song that got traded a lot? Did was it a rare find at the time? Because I wasn't you know, I, I I was trading other stuff. I wasn't in the Pearl Jam trading game at that at that point. Um, I didn't do too much actual trading and stuff like that just because, um, I don't know, I, I, back, back then it was more just like AOL and, you know, maybe, maybe if you were a little bit more versed in the internet or something like that, use groups or something like that, bulletin boards somewhere, but I used to get my MP3 from chat rooms. I used to go Mm -hmm. into chat rooms and people would just be like, got this song and then you'd send them an IM and they'd send you the track through the IM or yeah, maybe yeah. sometimes through the email. And uh, that's how I'd get my music. And some of them were, you can tell, uh, were recorded straight off the radio. It had like a, hey, you're listening to WBCB. Here is this song. Like it would have all that crap. So um, yeah, interesting. I wish I still had like my old databases like that just to see what I was collecting because I'd probably be pretty embarrassed by what I had. <laughs> yeah, all the all the uh, the old files from back then, like you can hear like the super digital, just like like that. It's like, oh yeah, this was like uh, what is it one one twenty? I don't know how many uh, what uh, what megabits is that? It's at or whatever. 
128 was it that oh yeah i think so i don't remember yeah t1 modem something yeah i don't know barely in stereo it's funny that we mentioned that it's funny that we mentioned that because there's a tie-in with aol and yield because yield was actually it was really i was 12 years old when yield came out so it was really the first album all i knew 10 versus vitality no code um it was the first album that i got to see sort of develop around me and um i i remember the do the evolution video was out and i remember that was big and and i had a couple of neighbors that were massive massive fans and i i sort of uh latched on to that and went out like i've told the story a million times i don't have to tell the full story but essentially the day or the saturday the week that uh that it was released we went to a record store. I believe it was Record Town. I bought the CD, put it in, and like you know, it, it felt so much different than everything that I was listening to that at the time. I felt it was the first thing that made me feel like I was listening to something mature, mm-hmm. something that adults listen to. So the tie-in with AOL was there was like an ABC Kids page like uh, an ABC for kids, not, it wasn't like a website, but it was part of AOL's little, I don't know. I I guess they would have like little pages within AOL where you wouldn't go on the world wide web because I like world wide web at the time, like that was impossible to, to get up. So you would go on AOL's versions of websites. Um, And I think, I I wish I could find it. I think I put in a review for Yield. I think I wrote about it, and I think it went up on the website. I, I think it went up, and and it was it was showcased. And I, I can't for the life of me remember what I said. Um, it was it was glowing reviews though, because I remember loving the album. Um, but I, I wish that there was some way to find that in the Wayback Machine. But I highly, highly doubt yeah. that it's there, unless there's somebody out there that knows that stuff way better than I do. Which, <laughs> honestly, it's probably it's probably lost to the depths of of the the abyss of the internet. But anyway, that you know, that's my tie-in with AOL and Yield, and how much I I truly did love and respect the album at the time because I had three albums that were really my go-to's for car rides plane rides whatever uh green days nimrod americana from offspring and and yield and think about the three records and the three bands in general like green day and offspring once you get older at least to me like yeah i can x on the ombre is is a great album smash is a great album but i i don't I don't listen to those anymore. I've, my music musical taste has matured past that. Like Green Day feels like a band that's never really, you know, matured out of 1995. But Pearl Jam felt like I was an adult listening to this music instead of a teenager in sixth, seventh grade that, uh, you know, just just picked up an album and is listening to something because it's popular. No, that wasn't the case at all. So. That was important for me, at least. Then how old were you then when you first listened? Eleven to or twelve. To yield? Oh, okay. Yeah, ninety-eight. I, I turned twelve in ninety-eight, so uh, it came out in February. I was born in September, so um, yeah, I must have been eleven. Okay. So I, I guess that's sixth, 
sits right yeah 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 that's something like that yeah young, yeah, yeah that's when i that's young. that's when i got but, 10 so I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> right it's it's the age where everything you know everything around you is like you you just you want everything you you know you want to sink your teeth into it and you want to think that you know especially music because music was such a kind of a social statement on who you were as a person and um i knew a lot of people that at the time like Everybody was really into Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, and pop music, and I wanted to be known as the guy that was like, all right, well, I liked rock and roll, I liked heavy metal, and I liked stuff that was sort of against the grain, and, uh, you know, I think I remember, like, TRL would have Do the Evolution as one of their songs that would be on the countdown, and I would call in for do the evolution and and it would be number five and then nsync and backstreet boys would be one and two yeah yeah. but uh you know like it was it was around it was circulating and it was so important at the time and i understood it all because jeremy was the last music video and you know i understood the importance of you know pearl jam making a music video was was massive back then but that's probably more for your do the evolution episode than it is for this one (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's you know that's that's the age when your your hormones are firing. I guess yeah. is uh, to to steal a Pearl Jam phrase to put in this Pearl Jam podcast when talking about Pearl Jam. Uh, anyway, yeah, the, didn't uh, didn't mention up at the top. This is uh, uh, Mike wrote the music for this, and uh, Eddie wrote the lyrics on it. It uh, starts off the album. You can also find a. Uh, a live version of it on the Wishlist single uh, were you to get that for... I don't remember what show it was It's from. Uh, from the March 3rd, 98 Australia show that they had the uh, tip, Triple J uh, broadcast of. Okay. Is that March 3rd or March 5th? March 3rd? Oh. I believe it says 3rd on the disc. Okay. Uh, nope, it says 5th on the disc. I got it. Why did I have March 3rd written down? Uh, you don't know your odd numbers, apparently. <laughs> I, I knew if, Third, it, if it was from that show, I knew that that show was the 5th. I, I just wanted I wanted to be right for once. Hey, you were right. It's... Yeah, I got it. You're the guy who knows the live stuff. <laughs> I uh, Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> Better than me. Well, sometimes it's it's learn as it's learn as you go. Sometimes and and like, um, you know, there are shows that are really popular in the band's legacy that I haven't even touched yet because I want to focus on what I'm doing the cert- the week when I'm doing something, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I feel like I'm always behind that I always find something late, and you know even. In instances where I'm not really listening to stuff, I try to at least have like YouTube on in the background to have some like Brazilian or or Argent- Argentina shows on just to like get the feel of what those are like before I really dig into those and we really cover those because those are going to be really unique when we do the, do those. I'm sure we've at at the point that this comes out, I'm sure we've already we've already done them, but that, yeah. that always <laughs> happens. But um, you know, that's it, that's just the thing. Um, but uh kind of want to go back to yield as an album for a sec because we've we when we've kicked off the new season of the podcast i feel like it's sort of setting the table 
for what the album and for what uh the rest of the episodes are gonna be um and i know we did that a lot with no code and really focused on how it was ed's sort of masterpiece and ed's kind of getting away from uh the limelight and getting away from fame and it was a very ed heavy album and going back and watching uh, single video theory last night it it it's it's funny because it it's this album is not that it's completely different than no code it's yeah no while no code is extremely mature and has lots of um amazing you know therapeutic songs and and verses i feel like yield is their first adult album if that makes sense and you know i think it was stone or mike somewhere in the 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 documentary said that you know it took so long for them to kind of figure out figure each other out that now they're at that point that they were more comfortable with each other i think mike said something along the lines of it took me a while to speak to eddie you know to want to tell him or share an idea with him and yield was really the first time that they were able to do it but no code has a ton of eddie songs on it yield has two two songs that are just eddie songs Mm -hmm. and everybody gets to contribute on yield in some way or shape or form uh whether it's them you know jeff it's the first time that jeff writes lyrics for two songs um stone writes lyrics for two songs uh even jack you want to say that um red dot color red is is that's his baby um Mike doesn't write any lyrics, but he writes three very pivotal songs of the album, including the one that we're talking about right now. And, um, yeah, it's so diverse and I feel like it's their first kind of time where they're really, there's, there's compromise in the band and they're coming together as a unit instead of just playing stuff that Eddie wrote, playing stuff that Stone wrote. They're really writing things all together, which is fantastic. Yeah. Did they've, it seems like they've been in constant transition since since 10 like uh, versus really felt like a transition's like okay this is more like a band sort of sound than 10 which is just a Jeff and Stone yeah and i think that was that was just you know ed was still getting used to all of it and and he was still getting comfortable with it cuz like bad radio never amounted to doing major recordings like that Mm -hmm. so he was kind of walking into something way more professional that he'd never been in before and then versus he's kind of like okay well now that i i wasn't really able to kind of speak my piece on 10 versus i'm going to speak my piece a little bit and i'm not getting my way so i'm going to get a little bit frustrated by it you know everybody sees the band and they kind of you know, it's Ed's band and, and they connect the band to Ed. So he needs to feel like he can be proud of what goes on that record. And that makes him such a perfectionist. But for this, and I feel like Vitalogy, it's 10 times worse where, I mean, he's absolutely just militant about what's going on the record to the, to the point where better man almost didn't even make it, which is just a sin. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like he really chilled out around yield and there's even 
a moment in single video theory. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Ed is asked about just sort of, I guess, the shift of power and says, like, you know, who's to blame when, you know, something goes wrong? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be Stone. That's Stone. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of was, like, when Trump says, oh, it's Obama's fault. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought yeah, blame it on the guy that that used to run the band, who doesn't who doesn't have control of it now. But yeah, but, you know it, it's it's just fun. And but he kind of did it tongue in cheek, which shows yeah, that yeah. he was growing and maturing as a person and as a musician as well. Um, you know that's it's just, it's what kind of makes the album so beautiful and so magical. Uh, you know, every song has a different type of almost musical genre to it brain to jay is very punk rock um no way is very bluesy do the evolution is very surf rock uh pilot is kind of more along the lines of uh, you know it has that sort of beatles reminiscent of when you know, they would do something on Revolver, like it has that vibe to it. Uh, All those yesterday is very psychedelic. So there's a lot of different takes. Oh, and then you can't can't forget, like, you know, the beatnik poetry of, of Push Me, Pull Me, of course. Um, But there's so many different styles that seem to just mesh so well together on that album. And I think that's the thing that I probably couldn't really comprehend at the, at the time of listening to it when I was 11 years old, it, it felt like it, it was something that writ, was written by many different voices. And I, I, I can't, I can't tell you why it's my favorite album, but if, if it is, it's, it's probably, probably be because of that, because every song just works where it is and it's front to back. I, I can't sit there and just listen to Brain of Jay and the Faithful and then skip to given a fly i i have to listen to the whole thing every single time yeah it's i i in in listening back to it and getting ready for these episodes and everything like that it's sort of like i forgot how great of an album it is like just every song it really fits is. and even those ones is kind of like ah eh, you know push me pull me okay he's got ed doing his spoken word thing but the music behind it is just like if you pay attention to oh, that you're like oh man this is just rocking Right, right, yeah, everything, and and it all just flows in together so nicely. Like that, that run between Untitled going into MFC, going into Low Light is one of the best runs on, and going into In Hiding. I want to add In Hiding in that too. Mm-hmm. Go, is one of the best runs, at least deep album runs on any of their albums that I can think of, and you know, a lot of people with Gigaton very early on compared it to yield and sort of called it yield light. It's the closest thing to yield in the dad ed generation, because again, how many voices are on that record? Matt wrote a couple songs. Uh, Stone wrote a few. Um, Jeff wrote a bunch. Like everybody's voice is on that record in the same fashion that yield is. This is like sort of like the, I guess the, not necessarily the high point of their career, but sort of their later career, this is sort of like the point where they can't get up to again, I guess, because everybody will say, oh, this is their best album since Yield. They'll say that for, you know, 
every right. album after self-titled or something like that. Right. And I think that's just kind of, it's, it's being just, I guess, a, a band of the nineties and just being known for having those five albums in the nineties and, and almost not having a scathe on any of those albums uh, and transitioning into, into the two thousands becoming, I guess, a band that wasn't, in the limelight and wasn't popular anymore. So, you know, people see those albums as being, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know, you can cut all this shit out. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. But, no, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, yeah, because yeah. like binaural right act sort of get overlooked. I don't know if it's just because of the, maybe the political climate of the time or something like that, where they seem to getting like overly political or something and not wanting to rock that boat. I think it's just due to the genre too. And, you know, yeah, yeah. grunge died around the time that No Code came out and grunge was, was fading in 96. And Yield is not like a grunge era album at all. It's a great rock album. That's what it is. But once 2000 came around, Pearl Jam was almost too mature for the era. This is the binaural era is the era of like Limp Biscuit and Corn and like songs about, you know, getting naked and just, you know, having unprotected sex and crap. And I don't want to sound like I'm Tipper Gore or anything like that, but <laughs> that's what it was. You know, the, that that's what was popular and new metal was becoming popular and there was a lot more hip hop influence. So yeah, like Pearl jam in 2000 was long forgotten. And, and they, you know, along with the fact that they didn't even make an attempt with binaural to really promote it at all. You know, there were there were no music videos. The first single was a very unconventional for them. Uh, but yeah, Yield is really the last one of of sort of their uh, you know their limelight, which is unfortunate to say that Matt Cameron didn't have an album in the '90s era that he didn't he wasn't on any of those albums. But he's still so connected to the band in that mm-hmm. manner that everybody will still think that you know Matt has always been in the band essentially. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, pretty much they just did the, um, what was it, just, like, Australia Pacific sort of tour with Jack, and then and then Matt was right. pretty much the drummer for the Yield tour. Right, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, he didn't record until Binaural, but it, yeah. I, I just think it's it's crazy that he's been in the band for so long, and you can look back and, and say, you know, the, the five albums, like the, we said, the holy trinity of, of the five albums, that doesn't make any sense, but, um, you know, the, the, the five nineties albums, he didn't even have a real piece in them. You know, he just kind of hung, hung on the backside and, and played, played live at the, uh, on the U S tour of yield and, and, uh, and then they moved on to a new transition in their career. Mm-hmm. We should probably talk about the song, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the song. So, yeah, this is, uh, uh, I guess, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's called Brain of J, and uh, the first line is, who's got the brain of JFK? I don't know if uh, that is a reference to either uh, Jackie Kennedy uh, trying to gather up pieces of her his brains from the back of the car, or the fact that uh, after... 
I think the autopsy, his uh, brain is missing. That's the first thing I think. Yeah, there's there's a lot of theories about that, about who had it. And supposedly it was supposed to go to a naval base in Maryland and went somewhere else to be autopsied. And um, yeah, and the information is not was not passed along correctly and it was you know there's some theories that it was robert's you know it was robert that was that was managing it and there's some theories out that that ted had it uh but yeah it's i don't i don't really know i don't think it didn't was was this part of the files like after like a month after Trump took office he released documents from the assassination was this part of it i forgot to check that up was it was yeah did, there were, i think there were unredacted uh warren what the warren commission files i think and it was like nothing really mm-hmm. shocking that anybody else that ever that nobody like knew about or something like that Right, right, yeah. That's that, that's sort of what I thought because I, I I knew that he did it and he made he kind of patted himself on the back and then it turned into nothing. Sounds like the last four years, <laughs> uh, but um, you know uh, I don't know. I I did not do the autopsy. All I know is that uh, uh, back and to the left, <laughs> back and to the left, back and to the left, back and to the left. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, it was. Uh, I don't think that that's when the movie JFK came out. I think it was still before. Everything was before this movie. That was nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it was way before. Yeah, so the movie had movie was like seven years old at the time. But I, I, I don't think I've ever seen the movie. I don't think I've ever watched it in history class or anything like that. Um. But I do know the line, thanks to Seinfeld. Everybody had their own parodies and stuff. I think Simpsons even did something, probably, reference. What What was, yeah, what, I, I know they did, like, the Ickman, I, I am Ber, uh, yes. Berliner. What, <laughs> Ickman, I'm Springfielder. Ickman, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know what they did on the assassination, though. I, I can't remember. It probably had something to do with the Quimby's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, what do you think the song, obviously the song is about the assassination, but what do you think the song is really, what's the motive behind it? What do you think about that? Um, I've seen, yeah, lyrically it's very sparse. It's, you know, just got the three verses, but, I, well, two verses. Right. And um, the, the the majority of the song is the uh, the chorus, the whole world would be different soon. The whole world would be yeah. relieved. We have to get into that. Yeah, we have to get into that. But go on, go on. We will talk about that. <laughs> right. Or relieved or whatever. But um, yeah, it's. I, I've seen people saying that it's sort of like the... JFK assassination is sort of the turning point of like the loss of American innocence or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of people say just historically and everything and sort of the maybe drawing a parallel from not necessarily a specific event, but a sort of, event, uh, you know, turning point in one's life where you sort of realize, hey, you know what? Go, looking back at history and looking back at uh, the the role that 
the United States has played in, you know, world events and stuff like that. It's like, you know, maybe we were told this whole time, you know, oh, we're the good guys. We live here. So, you know, it's obviously a good place and stuff. So you kind of look back. It's like, hey, you know what? You know, there were some bad things that happened. And, you know, you lose a little bit of innocence in that and sort of like not necessarily cope with that, but the sort of, I guess, loss of innocence of the shining kingdom on the hill or whatever that America's supposed to be or whatever. You're like, Oh wait, yeah, there's all these atrocities and stuff that the United States has done. And there's people who tell you, no, forget that. You know, you gotta, um, you know, you gotta be patriotic no matter what. And it's, right, you know, that's... we're allowed to do bad things because we're good people or something. I don't know. Right. That's kind of the second verse to me feels all about like manipulation and, you know, you've been taught, whipped in the shape. Now we got you in line. Uh, stand behind the, stri- uh, the stripes. Uh, I forget the second line to that. But There will um, be order, so give it good mind. There will be order, yes. <laughs> so I think that's all, like, basically, you know, don't ask any questions. You know, it is what you see may not be what is right in front of you, but... Uh, this is what you're being taught and this is what we're showing you. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, you know, that Ed overall is always kind of questioning where mindsets and ideas are coming from and questioning, you know, why he he wants to be the one to sort of poke the bear a little bit and, and say, Hey, why? let's put the pieces together here. Why is this not, why are you telling us this when obviously the information is incorrect, when other people will take it at face value and, Ed will question it. And I think that's, you know, essentially his, his whole being of, of careers is questioning authority and, uh, you know, making sure that we do as, as citizens, we, we know what's right and we, we do what's right and we care enough to tell the truth so i I think that i think that goes a long way with within the song and and Mm -hmm. there's you know the the soon the whole uh, world will be different soon the whole world will be relieved um which that line it's so crazy because is it relieved is it revealed and it's just it's just a it's a great play on words i think it's it's either of the words that you want it to be. And uh, I, I think he just does a masterful job of, of just kind of almost manipulating you into thinking one way or, or the other with it. And uh, it's always one of those great, you know, what if kind of questions, but it, it's in the liner notes as, as re- relieved, but you kind of want to say revealed because it sounds better within the, uh, you know, the, the flow and poetry of the song. Yeah, just him him saying things weird to try to, you know, I don't know, put accents maybe on uh, stresses on different syllables and everything. But Yeah, and it's not a new thing. It wasn't a new thing for the time, but, I mean, it, it's unique to him for sure. And, uh, you know, he'll he'll do it again later and, and other songs that aren't popping into my head right now. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, you go back to... Mike, and this is a Mike song, but what's so amazing about this being a Mike song is that it's Stone Solo. How yeah. incredibly cool is that? Yeah. 
and he rips on it. It's like one of the coolest solos on the on the record. I I, I can't get over that, and you know, it, it just goes to show how undervalued Stone is as a part of this band and how talented he is. If they look, you know, he is pivotal for the first three records being released but if they let him go if they let him write more in the later years of the band who knows what this band could have been uh like he's the sound of the band to me that Mm -hmm. that's just what it is and you know letting him go like that he doesn't get a lot of solos but he gets two on this album he gets do the evolution and he gets uh he gets brain of jay so just in that mindset like Again, that goes into the whole thing with with the compromise and them kind of figuring it out and writing a cohesive album as a full band instead of writing Eddie's songs or writing somebody else's songs um, and playing them. I, I I think it's such a unique and great thing and and so collaborative of 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 them as a unit to do. He's also got solo in uh, MFC. Is that his solo? Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah, he's got he's got quite a bit of solos on Yield. That is a great stone record. Yeah. <laughs> is is that is that his on on all those yesterdays too? I think so, yeah. It's it's Jesus. You have to watch it's it's kind of hard cuz I think I, I thought I saw it last I think night. It still has the I think it still has the left and right um you know Mike on the left, Stone on the right and stuff. Yeah. But for solos, sometimes they'll put it in the middle and everything like that, but um you you have to like watch the live clips and stuff like that to really get into it and i think like single video theory shows a lot of the stone solos in the in the songs and stuff i think it is now that i think about what i was watching last night i think it's stone solo yeah. on all those yesterdays yeah and it sounds more stone than it does mike stone has a cleaner sound to him when he's soloing mike has very just you know which is funny because brandon J isn't a clean yeah. sound at all which is uh, contradicting myself always and he's got that one solo in uh and everybody solos and wish list. Right. Right. Yeah. Is there another song you think that they could have opened this album with? No. No, no. that's it. I I haven't even put thought into that, but uh <sighs> Do you think it's just because that this song was written before like all the other ones? You think that it's kind of like, okay, let's cuz the way that all the other songs sort of like fit and flow and everything, I don't think that you could have put this in the middle no because it, not in, at all you know between any other songs and so you need it to start off with and i think that that's all the other songs have their own sort of that shared vibe because they were all more written sort of along the same time i think except for maybe mfc i think was written quite a bit before 96 yeah. you have yeah. to wait till that episode to 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 hear that uh spiel but uh <laughs> yeah that was that was written after the no code I believe there's another live on four legs person on on that one. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I don't I don't think anything can take its place. And I'm trying to think of of flow wise. It's it's the fastest and hardest song on the album. And think about their other albums. You know, Go is the fastest and hardest song on 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 verses. Last Exit is one of the fastest. It's not faster than Spin a Black Circle, but not fastest, faster than Whipping, but it fits that mold and sets that tone. Like, yeah. Brandon J doesn't define what the album is. I think Given a Fly prob- or Wishlist probably define what the album is a little bit more, but Brain of J 
sets the tone in such a unique way and and the way that it transitions into faithful with that boom 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 and it just doesn't like it just doesn't go from punk into atmospheric soaring song it finds a way to to meld everything together like i can't you know maybe there's an alternate universe where mfc is the opener but again like i said that middle part of the album is so perfectly placed that i i can't even i can't even think about it i can't i can't even consider it i don't think given a fly uh, again another alternate universe possibly but no i i think i think it has to be brain of jay i really do that one sound that it ends with i i do you do you know what that is i think it's the sound of an amp with a uh the reverb tank in it uh, getting like dropped or something like that because i know that playing live i would have my i don't uh, know what it is but i know what it sounds like it sounds like the beginning to black dog That you know, I think that the same thing happens in Black Dog at the beginning though. Dum 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 dum. Hey mama said the way you move, gonna make you swing, gonna make you groove. This also this song also has a sort of uh, uh, uh notorious live performance of it. Uh in twenty thirteen there was a guy who requested this song and he'd said that you can shave off my dreadlocks if you play uh Brina J. Yeah, was that in Portland? Pro- it probably is a guy, a white guy with dreadlocks. It's got to be somewhere yeah. in that area, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> some some hippie city. Uh, yeah, I look. Um, I am at twenty shows right now, and that's my white whale. And it doesn't seem like that big of a white whale. Like literally, I can go to Dallas, and I know I'll get it. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a guarantee. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'll grow. I'll grow dreadlocks and get them shaved off just to hear that song. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm absolutely in like, I don't know how to make requests that, but I don't like being the person that goes on the message boards are like, play this because this like, I'll leave that to people that actually deserve those songs. I'm not one of those people. So, um, but if, if dreadlocks is the reason that I can get Brandon J to be played, then ah, yeah, get me in there. I'm in. We're 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 uh, we're at the end, right? We can wrap it up. We've yeah, got, man. We've got it all out there. I think uh, lyrics. Yeah, simple rock stone. Mike, I, I tried not to pine over the song as much as I do on another podcast that I'm on, uh, because I tried to at least be a little bit more. Um, look at it from a different perspective but like anytime i hear the song i'm just i get a jolt of energy that brings me back to when i was 12 years old and listening to this on uh, a stereo that i had to put a textbook on (laughs) because something dropped on it and uh the the textbook would be the only thing that would hold it down for the cd to make press on and be able to spin (laughs) right right so yeah like that's it's the good old days it's you know um what can i say i still it's not it's a very simple song it's a song that you don't have to really think about too much and i love punk rock pearl jam and this is to me it's 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 like it's a top five song of all time 
for them for me. So, you know, it's sentimental and it's also amazing. And I also want it live and I will also (laughs) shave my dreadlocks for it. So nothing else. Love it. Five stars, 10 stars, 80 stars. 25,000 stars. Yeah, 25. Okay, so... Sold. <laughs> sold. 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 So we'll, we'll... I'll see you in Amsterdam when they do it. We'll uh, wrap this up uh, by asking you if there's something you think that people should uh, do to sort of uh, be kind to other people, to, uh, to, to share the light, as it were. Just be aware that everybody goes through something that you're not seeing on on the surface level on the outside so you know if you have a neighbor that waves to you hello and smiles every day and you think boy that's that's such a you know a a nice friendly person like or maybe somebody that's the opposite that you know looks away every time that you come because it doesn't want to see you like and you're just thinking to yourself oh what a jackass what an what an asshole i can't stand that person just like everybody's going through their own thing and fighting battles that you'll never know so just be um you know be mindful of that and uh and realize that uh every every everybody has something that they struggle with so you know if if they're having a bad day and maybe if if you're kind to somebody maybe you can make it better or you know at least not make it worse that's all i got i don't really got much else beside that uh so then uh you you also for everybody who's listening to this probably knows who you are cuz like we were uh, talking about before the uh, <laughs> the people i get to come on to my show uh <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> know you but they do yeah so uh i just want to you know, just thank everybody for continuing to to support John and I and to support Brandon. Uh, we, you know, we can't do it without people that are pretty passionate about it. And, um, you know, we we just keep doing things. We, we see people that are passionate and we want to, you know, feed off that energy. And it's stuff like doing uh, trivia contests or like sharing bootlegs with our patrons to get them to talk about shows that we're going to cover to get us to think out of our, you know, out of our mindset, out of our usual mindset, things like that. And like, we're always just trying to get more people involved in that. And that's not me trying to, to be like, join our Patreon. That's me. That's for anybody. That's like, I, I encourage, uh, you know, anybody that wants to ask what our next episodes are, are going to be, I will tell you, and I encourage you to go out and listen to the bootleg and, and, you know, let us know your thoughts before we go and talk about it. Because, you know, John and I, we think differently, but there are people that think differently from us, too, and we want those opinions as well. So that's why our Wrigley stuff was so fantastic. We had so many voices outside of our own that we were able to rely on and uh you know from from the bottom up from the fan that was in the you know the last seat uh in in you know in left field and wrigley fields to uh, somebody that was that was backstage or right on the rail you know it's it's everybody everybody's everybody's uh everybody's viewpoint on that and just experience is is so important to to what we all do as as a whole 
and uh and it's it's all for pearl jam too but i'm just gonna throw that out there it's all for the love of one unique entity and uh this is uh it's a good good time to be doing it when uh when we have time and uh you know thanks again for everybody for uh for supporting both of our shows because uh you know it kind of does keep us going when whenever you know we post something and you know even if a small comment just like hey good episode keep it up you know it just motivates us to to do more or to you know bring a positive attitude into the next one at least yeah so if uh if you're listening to this and uh haven't heard uh randy or live on four legs then uh you need to comment on his uh posts and mine too. And <laughs> I didn't say that. We need uh, validation and uh, encouragement. <laughs> a f- well, five stars on Apple Podcasts would be nice. But, you know, I'm not. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Randy. It's always good uh, talking with you and getting getting deep in there about Pearl Jam and uh, pizza, I guess. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Pizza, propaganda, all <laughs> pizza, of propaganda, the above Pearl and Jam. below. Yeah. The three, the three P's. P's. <laughs> P-P-P. The Better Band Podcast is produced by listenuprino.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com, or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Randy, and as always, this is Brandon saying... In America, first, you get the sugar, 